Well, good morning. It is so good to be with you this morning. And I uh, know we have some folks in the overflow. Welcome. And I uh, know we have kids with us. Glad that you are here. And I uh, would just encourage everyone, this sermon is for the young and for the little bit older and for everyone in between. And there's a sermon page in your bulletin. You can follow along, kind of fill in some blanks. And I'm just so excited because what we're talking about today is a message that we all really, really need to hear. If somebody came up to you and they, you know, kind of grabbed you by both cheeks and just kind of looked you in the eye and they said, I have a special mission for you. Like your life has this purpose. There's this reason uh, uh, of why you are alive. Let me tell you what it is. Don't you think you would listen? And that's really kind of what we're talking about today because God has looked at us and said, you are called. You are called by me to do something in this world, to do something that's important, to do something that matters because you are important to me. And I have a job for you, a mission for you. You belong with me. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah in chapter 1 is where we're going to be here in just a little bit. So God calls Jeremiah, his prophet, to deliver news to the Israelite people in the southern kingdom of Judah. And the trouble is that most of what Jeremiah is going to tell the people is bad news. And that's why they call him the weeping prophet, because he had bad news to tell, and then he saw lots of terrible things. At first, when Jeremiah was prophet, there was a good king named Josiah, but following Josiah was bad king and bad king, and they were wicked and disobedient, and the people were wicked and disobedient. And all of these bad things were going to happen to them. Destruction was coming because of the poor choices uh, they had made because they had turned their backs on God. And Jeremiah was the prophet who had to tell them this bad news. And the next book in your Bible is Lamentations. We're going to uh, study that just a little bit as we go through Jeremiah the next seven weeks. But Jeremiah is basically sitting on a pile of, of trash and just saying, Oh, I've seen such terrible things that Jerusalem has been overthrown and burned and uh, the temple destroyed and the people mar you know, taken captive and handcuffed and marched off into slavery, into captivity, all of these sad things. And so Jeremiah's heart is breaking. His heart is breaking for the way things used to be and the way things should be now. And maybe your heart is breaking today too. Maybe your heart is breaking in and you, you wish that things were different in your life or in your family or in this world. Maybe you're angry at God or you're sad about something. And Jeremiah experienced all of those emotions. And so for the next seven weeks, we're just going to look at how God speaks to Jeremiah and he speaks to the people. And he comes and what we find out is in the midst of our heartache, God is the answer who can mend our heart, heal our heart, give us purpose, give us hope, give us a future. Now, how many of you have ever played kickball? Any kickball players here? Most of us played kickball at some point, like on the playground or at recess or whatever. And if not, you've played other games where somebody did not tell you, you go here, you go here. Instead, you were chosen by a team, by a captain. In basketball, usually two people shoot, and the first two people who make it, then they choose up teams. And this is terrifying for everyone involved who thinks they might be called last, right? 
Anybody ever been chosen last? You know what that's like? Because maybe you're like me. Maybe you liked basketball and you can't kick anything and you're really bad at kickball. And so these two captains would be chosen and they'd be like, uh, well, first person like, I'll choose Jose. He's good at soccer. He's probably good at kickball. Yeah, I'll take Omar. He's good at soccer. He's probably good at kickball. And they're choosing all these people that are good. And the rest of us are kind of standing there being like, like, I can kick. I can do it. Don't, don't make me be called last, whatever you do. Because we want to be, we want to hear our name called. To hear your name called means you're good at something. You have a reason. You belong on the team. And while that kind of feels like a big deal, it's really not. It feels like a big deal. There are some big deals where we hear our name called. I was thinking about the movie Annie. Whether you've watched the old one or the new one, I like them both. There's that moment where Annie wants to be adopted And she's saying, you know, choose me, choose me, my curly hair, choose me. Because she wants to hear her name called of, we choose you, we want you to be adopted. And and that's the great desire of her heart. And for you and me, there's this amazing thing that God does. The God of the universe, in all of his power, in all of his might, says, I will call your name. I will speak to you. I will give you directions about your life because I love you and I care for you. I just can't get over the fact that God cares about little itty-bitty me enough to give me instructions, to speak to me, to call me. In fact, I just made up a little list of things of just a few of the times in my life when God has clearly said something to me. Now, I may not have heard it out loud, but I heard it whispered into my heart, and it made sense with what I've read about in the Bible that it would be true. And sometimes I even ask some people, do you think this is God kind of nudging me and speaking speaking to me? But here's a few of the things just in my life that I thought I would just read to you in which God has called me to something. God has said to me, I want you to show kindness to two kids I've introduced to your family. He said, I want you to write a book about pursuing truth and peace at the same time. He said, I want you to preach more about the Holy Spirit's work to change hearts and not just moral behavior. He said to me, I want you to practice the Sabbath, intentional times of resting in God, because you're going too fast. He said to me, I want you to cancel your post-college plans to go to San Antonio and to go to Tulsa instead. There have been a number of times where God has said something to me directly to me. And I'm telling you, some of those were in some trying times and some difficult times, but those are the best moments of my life. And I want many more of those moments where the God of the universe says, Brian, do this. Because that means I have a purpose. He has a plan for me. And I know and I hope that you want God to speak to you as well. And there's no place in Scripture that's better for us to read about God calling us in Jeremiah chapter 1. It is just full of helpful stuff for us. And so if you want to learn about how God calls us, let's just study together and do our best to learn from what God tells us in Jeremiah chapter 1. So the way we're going to go through this is I'm just going to kind of mention a principle, something we learn about how God calls us, and then I'm going to read the verses that kind of Uh, teach that. And so number one is this, that we need to know about God, how he calls us, is that God knows us. He knows us. He really knows us. And so look at chapter 1, verse 4. 
the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, uh, some of you have seen ultrasounds. You know, the little pictures of the baby before the baby is born, still inside the mom. And recently, they've gotten pretty high-tech with that. But, you know, even if you go back about 15 years ago, the first time I saw an ultrasound, uh, who would be my oldest son now, Cole, the first time we were in this room, and it was, it was my wife and, and me and her mom, my mother-in-law, and, and then the nurse, who's kind of rubbing that thing around my wife's belly, and we're looking at this thing on this TV screen, and all three of them are like, oh, look at him. And, and I'm like, I don't see anything. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the antenna came out of the back of the TV, and it's just fuzzy. And I'm like, but I kind of have to go along with it because they see something. I'm like, yeah, that's great. Is that his ear or his foot? Because I don't know what I'm looking at. And thankfully, they've gotten a lot better. Now you can like see it's like a, it's like a really cool 3D image and all of that. Um, but even if you take the closest look you can with the best ultrasound equipment and you see that little baby inside uh, the womb, you still don't know that baby. And you certainly don't know that baby like God knows that baby. The mom gets to know that baby. But God knows everything about that baby. God already knows personality and, and what he or she may, may like to do and their strengths, the things that will make them cry, what they will want to do, the friends they will have, the places they will go, all of these things. God knows all of that about you. He's known that before you were even born. He knows everything about you. And if we want to help people know God's calling in their life, the first thing we have to do is know them because it helps us know God's calling in our life as we know him. You know, if somebody, just a stranger, came up to you and said, hey, I think you would be a great VBS team leader. Would you help at our VBS? And you had never seen that person before. You'd be like, um, I'm not so sure about that. But if it was somebody you knew who came and said, man, I've seen you with kids, and you are so great with kids, and I know that you love the Lord, I think you'd be a great VBS team leader. Would you do that? You might say, yeah. Because that person knows you, and they've called you and invited you to do something, and they said, I already know you. Would you do this? And as we know God and get to know him better and better, then it becomes easier for us to hear his calling. Jesus spent regular times going out to just be with God the Father, to pray, to be quiet before the Lord. And I think part of that was so that he could just keep knowing the Father and knowing his calling of how God was directing his life. So the first thing we have to know about uh, God and his calling is that he knows us. Number two is this. God rejects our excuses. Listen to Jeremiah's excuse here. Okay, verse uh, six. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. God says, I don't want to hear your excuses. Do you know who the king, I said, of Israel, of Judah was at the time? Josiah at first. He was the king. You know how old he was when he became the king? Eight. 
How many seven, eight, or nine-year-olds do we have here? We got a few of them here. Can you imagine being the king or queen of an entire country? And God says, if I can make this kid king, I think you're old enough to be a prophet because you're even a little bit older than that. And uh, Paul in 1 Timothy 4.12, you might remember, says to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and in purity. We have lots of other excuses besides I'm too young. Sometimes it's the opposite. It's I'm too old. I'm too inexperienced. I don't have enough time. I wouldn't know what to do. Uh, I have too many other things going on. I don't have enough. I have too much. I mean, there's a gazillion excuses we come up with. But when God calls us to something, when he says, I want you to do this, he does not want to hear your excuses. You can make all the excuses that you want, and God says, don't want to hear it. I do not want to hear your excuses. I have called you. I have not called you because of how awesome you are. I've called you because of how awesome I am and my work will go through you. So quit making your excuses. And we think, well, well, God, I can't do this. The moment we say that, we've made it all about us. Every excuse revolves around me. God says it's not about you. It's not about whether you can be a great prophet or a great king on your own. It's about whether I can use you to do these things because I'm the God of the universe who told you to do it. So quit making excuses and do it. So reject the excuses. The third thing is God assures us of his presence. He assures us of his presence, that he is with us. It's one of the great themes in all of the Bible. Look at verse 8. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Throughout Scripture, God says, I am with you. Over here, I've got the bicycle on which all four of my kids learned to ride a bike. This is the magic bike right here. I don't know if you can see it very well. But here it is. This yellow bike was a magic bike. All four kids learned to ride a bike on this. But when they first were riding the, you know, the bike in just two wheels, um, I did not say, okay, get on. Here you go. Sit here. You're going to learn to ride a bike today and just say, good luck, and just send them down the hill. No. What did they want? What were they saying? Dad, run beside me. Go with me. Are you, are you right there? And half the time they're riding, they're looking down, and then they're looking up to make sure I'm there. By the way, kids, do you know how difficult it is to run beside a bike in this motion? It's why all adults have back problems, because we tried to run like this for hours at a time. But no, it, it, instead of just sending them on their way, no, We have the child sit here, and we run along beside, and sometimes we kind of reach out and grab the steering wheel when it gets wobbly, or we kind of help them stop before they get to the road or the intersection or something, or or if they're getting kind of off path and they're kind of going, you know, we kind of get them back in the middle of the sidewalk or whatever it is, but we are with them. And eventually, dads and moms learn this, aunts and uncles teaching kids how to ride bikes, they learn that they can put their hand on their back and hardly even do anything, but the kid actually thinks they're doing something, but they're not. They're just assured that mom or dad or whoever is with me, and then they start to ride on their own, and we're not even helping them balance. 
And God says, as you go through life, sometimes it feels wobbly. Sometimes you feel like you're getting off track. But always remember, I am with you. I'm always with you. I've never left you. And so God's assurance is, I won't leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you out there on your own, just push you and send you off the edge. I am with you when you walk through the fires. I am there. When you're surrounded by trials, I am there. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So when you go to speak and to preach and to teach and to love and to serve and to care, even deliver bad news, I am with you. I care for you. And it's because of this presence that we can kind of jump back to the last one and say, so we can forget the excuses. You know, Moses had a problem speaking, and he made up excuses of, but God, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't speak very well, God. And God says, I don't care. I'll be with you. Jonah says, God, those Ninevites, they're bad people. VBS kids learned about them. I mean, they're like, they're like terrorists. They're evil. They've done terrible things to people. They're murderers. They're, they're awful. They deserve anything they get. And God says, I don't want to hear your excuses because, Jonah, I will be with you. The Israelites said, you know, I, we're too small. We can't fight that big giant, Goliath. I'm not going out there. And David says, I'm not making excuses because the Lord will be with me. See, these things go together with God's calling. So God knows us, and he rejects our excuses, and he assures us of his presence. And then the next thing is God empowers us. Look at verse 9. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I point you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. God gives us power. He empowers us. When you say yes to God, he says, okay, I'll give you everything you need. If God says, I want you to go serve in the children's ministry, he will give you the power, empower you to do that. If God says, I I want you to go and to... Begin a relationship, a friendship with your neighbors who don't know the Lord. He will give you the power to go and speak the words that you're afraid to speak to them. He'll let that invite come out of your mouth and let the words come out of your mouth. And would there be anything better in the world than to know that God, the God of the universe, is speaking through you and acting through you and doing his work through you? I mean, I don't want to just do stuff on my own. That's really boring, and it's not very effective. I'm not very good at it. But, but to have God speak through us, that's a beautiful thing. And then the last thing God does is he gives us a vision with what he calls us to. Look at Jeremiah uh, verse 11. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. In the Hebrew, 
the word almond and the word watching are, it's, it's almost the same word. So when you hear almond tree, you would think about the word watching, and God says, I'm going to be watching. I've given you this vision so that you know what's going to happen. You know the direction to go. And then that's not all. Verse 13, the word of the Lord came to me again. What do you see? I see a pot that is boiling, I answered. It is tilting toward us from the north. The Lord said to me, from the north, disaster will be poured out on all who live in the land. I'm about to summon all the peoples of the northern kingdom, declares the Lord. And he goes on to say, destruction is coming. And so like a big boiling pot of water that's going to pour on people, this awful stuff is going to happen. God gives Jeremiah the vision of, here's what's coming. Be ready for it. Tell the people. You know, sometimes God gives us a vision that's crystal clear. And he says, you do this. And we hear that in our hearts. It's confirmed by the Bible. Maybe we ask other people and they're like, yeah, I think God is telling you to do that. And it's just a, it's just a slam dunk. We know what we're supposed to do. But sometimes God gives us kind of a general vision. And he says, I, I want you to love your neighbors more than you're loving your neighbors right now. And, and you're like, well, am I supposed to like do like a hot dog thing in my backyard and invite them over? Or am I supposed to maybe play basketball with the kid? Like, what am I supposed to do? And God's like, well, you know, figure it out. But that's still vision. That's still direction. I mean, we know in life that God has says, said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God, and the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So we always have that vision in front of us, and we can be looking and thinking, am I going to love God more? Am I going to love my neighbor more? A couple years ago, I had a, a buddy of mine who, got a, who had a dream job offered to him. Um, the problem was it was about 1,000 miles from Tulsa. And um, my, my friend has a couple kids. Um, they weren't in his home at the time. Um, but everybody in his life was saying, dude, you got to follow your heart. you got to go get this dream job. you got to go get it. This is like the greatest break for you ever. You can do this. It's going to be so awesome for you. And he was telling me about this one day, and I just found a time to go find him when there wasn't anybody else around. I was like, man, can I talk to you for a minute? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, listen, I hear everybody saying, like, how you should follow your dream and kind of your vision for your life and go to this dream job. But what about your kids? Like a thousand miles is a long ways to be from your kids. How often will you get to see them? Oh, maybe, you know, at least once or twice a year. I'm like, dude, really? Is that your vision? Because maybe God has a different vision for your life, and you need to sacrifice your vision for your dream job to follow God's command to love your children and to be with them. And, you know, I don't think that was an easy decision, and, and, and I'm, I'm not the judge of the world. I just wanted to offer a different perspective. And what I'm saying to you is this. The vision that other people give you may not be the same vision from God. The vision that where your first instinct goes may not be the same vision from God. So test it against what God wants for your life ultimately. What does he really desire for you? You know, the, the rhinoceros has a strength and a weakness. Well, several strengths. It's humongous. And those things can run 30 miles per hour. The weakness is it can't see worth a lick. You know what they call a whole bunch of rhinos together? I'm serious here. They call them a crash. A, you got a crash of rhinos. 
I'm serious about this. They do. Why? Because they crash into stuff. If you could run 30 miles per hour and you were great big and you weren't afraid of what you ran into and you couldn't see worth a lick, you'd crash into stuff all the time too. And without vision, we run into stuff. We run into barriers. So we need to ask God to give us a vision for our lives that will take us where he wants us to go. And I love how Jeremiah chapter 1 ends. Because if God has called you to something, what you might need is a pep talk at the end. I almost picture like a a coach um, or a a really great teacher or someone giving you like this pep talk or maybe a military leader. Listen to verse 17 of what what he says to Jeremiah, because Jeremiah has to be scared at this point of like, God, this is pretty crazy what you're calling me to do. But listen to this. God says, get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them, whatever I command you, do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. Ooh, today I've made you a fortified city, an iron pillar and a bronze wall to stand against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. That's a good pep talk. Last week, we studied Peter, and it really kind of walks right into Jeremiah 1, because Peter also was called Jesus came to him, a bunch of fishermen, and he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's two different things there. Follow me, that's your job, and my job is I will make you a fisher of men. I, I, will, I will let your life be way more valuable than just earning some income and catching some fish. I'll actually let you be part of the transformation, the changing of lives, the saving of souls. I'll let you be part of that. That's my calling for you. And so God says, Peter, follow me, and I will make you fishers and men. Maybe you've been trying to make yourself. You've been trying to do everything yourself. You've been trying to make yourself into what you want to be. And Jesus says, "Huh, uh follow me and I will make you. You follow me. That's your job. My job is to make you into the person I want you to be. That's the calling of God in our lives, and it's the calling for you, too. I don't know if you've ever listened to God's call in your life, but I know that that call for Peter is the call for every person on this planet, that Jesus says, come, follow me. And there is life for you that I will forgive your sins and give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. And there's purpose for you. There's belonging for you. You belong with me. You belong with God's family. And there's direction for you. And your life matters. Your future matters. And whether you are six years old or 86 years old today, your future matters. God has a plan for your today and tomorrow. So follow him. and He will make you a fisher men. This morning, if you would like someone to pray with you, either during this time, or, or you're ready to say, I want to follow Jesus, then uh, we'll have some elders just right up on the front over here on my left side, and be glad to pray with you now, or maybe even later. And if you would, would you pray with me uh, right now? God, thank you for calling us to you. Thank you that we got to hear our name called by you, and that you believe in us even when we don't believe in ourselves. God, thank you so much 
And for anyone who has never answered that call, God, we pray that today would be the day that they would say yes to you. Thank you for being with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.